How you doing, guys? Who's excited to be in church today? Anybody besides me? So good. This is one of the greatest Sundays of the entire year because how many of us know we're not just remembering and celebrating that Jesus died or that he was buried, but that Jesus rose from the grave. The tomb is empty. And because he's alive, how many know we can live? Because he was resurrected, how many know we can be resurrected? And I'm excited to, to share in this story together today. I just want to kind of jump right into it. And I want to start off by reading the account of Jesus's crucifixion from the Gospel of Mark. If you're not familiar with Scripture, uh, the, the New Testament starts off with what is known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four eyewitness accounts of basically the same story of Jesus. Jesus. It's almost like that movie that Dennis Quaid was in called The Vantage Point. This movie where it was the same scenario, but it was told from four different perspectives. And so they all saw the same thing, but then all of them saw uh, just from a different angle, a different vantage point. And so they added some different things as well. That's what the Gospels are, are uh, alike. And so we're going to take a look at the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 39. It says, at noon, Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling out to the prophet Elijah. And someone quick ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, they put it on a staff and they offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to actually take him down. Then with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who, who stood there in front of Jesus saw how Jesus died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. As we're celebrating the risen king today, I want to talk to us. The title of the message today is the best day ever. You ever said that phrase, the best day ever? You know, as I think back over my life, there have been some really great days the day that Jesus became real and Christianity became more than just a story. Wow, changed my life. Best day ever. The day I met my beautiful wife, Justina. Come on, somebody. Getting a little brownie points today. <laughs> Best day ever. Ever. I'll never forget our, our first date. I took her to a little breakfast place called the Village Inn. Anybody ever been to the Village Inn? If you haven't, it's like Denny's meets Waffle House. I just didn't want to set the, the, the bar too high right out of the gate. You know, I didn't want her to love me for my money. I wanted her to love me for my personality, even though I didn't have any money. And so I'll never forget going to breakfast that day and sitting, sitting down in the sticky booth. You ever been there where the syrup's been there for like 20 years? Like, I don't think they ever clean it. And, and we're sitting there, the waitress comes over, and I'll just never forget, Justina looks at the waitress and she orders the fruit and nut multi-grain pancakes. And I remember thinking, this girl's complicated. This girl, she gonna be a lot of work, but she's gonna be worth it. And those are some amazing pancakes, girl, best day 
forever. But as I was just kind of thinking back and after uh, Jesus became real and after I met my, my wife, Justina, some of the best days ever for me was when I became a dad. Any parents in the house today? And I never forget holding my oldest son, Jace, for the very first time and realizing I have no idea how to keep this thing alive. Anybody else, right? And then Tessa came along, my daughter, and then our youngest son, Braxton. And I suppose that those were some of the, the, the best days ever because before those great days in my life, I had a lot of hard days. Anybody else? I had a lot of difficult days. And if you're new with us or new to the experience church family, uh, just a little bit of, of my story is that uh, I struggled with a drug addiction when I was in my late teens. And as a young adult, I spent some time incarcerated. And then on my 19th birthday, my, my dad was involved in a fatal car accident, was killed. And I was in jail at the time. And I just found myself in, in a place where I had learned how to kind of smile and go along with everybody else, but I was empty on the inside. I found myself surrounded by a lot of acquaintances, but I was alone in the midst of the crowd. And I just remind my, I just was reminded of finding myself in this place where I just had kind of come to accept, like, this is just the way things are always going to be. This is just how my life is going to be. And I, and I had given up hope or any dreams that anything else was even possible, let alone being a husband or a father someday. And as I look back though, at, at all the prayers though, that people were praying for me in those dark moments, kind of like Jeanette, we read her story today. As I think back at all the time that it took and all the waiting, all the striving and all the difficulty that I went through, that when God showed up and did a miracle in my life, it created an even greater appreciation because of where I had been. And I just had this thought, if you're taking notes, you can write this down and it's simply this, that our best days often follow some of our worst days. I mean, no, we can't appreciate the good if we aren't aware of the bad. You see, it was all of the, the hard days, all of the waiting, all of the setbacks, and all of the trials that made those days some of the best days ever. How many of us know we say best day ever because of the pain and the struggle and the hardship that it took in order to get there? Today, on Easter Sunday, it's the best day Ever because it's the day we're reminded that Jesus rose from the grave. Yet at the same time, I do think it's important for us to understand that the best day ever was preceded by some of the worst days ever. That Jesus had to go through the most difficult trials, the most horrific torture and pain in order for you and I to be able to step into the best days ever. So I just I think it's important that before we celebrate the empty tomb, that we would just take a, a moment and remember the worst day ever when Jesus died on the cross. And so let's let's read the account again. Mark chapter 15, verse 33 and see what God wants to teach us today. It says at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And the reason why darkness overcame the land was because this was God's response to the judgment. He was judging sin. So just, just we're on the same page. It was noontime. 
The sun is at its highest point in the sky. And yet this supernatural phenomenon took place where darkness covered the entire land because God's judgment was getting ready to fall upon Jesus. Now, some of us might ask, well, why was God's judgment falling upon Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked because the apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter six, verse 23, he says, for the wages of sin is death. Word wages there, you could put the word payment. The payment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How many of us know this is good news? Because whoever we are today, wherever we come from, whatever our past is, whatever we look like, I'm wearing a suit coat today. Come on, somebody, I'm a little dressed up. It doesn't matter where we come from or what we look like today. The Bible says all, everybody say all. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the one thing we all have in common today is we're all messed up. We all got issues. We like to say around here, if you don't think you got issues, man, that's your issue because we all got issues. Like just to play around a little bit, make sure we're all on the same page. Go ahead and raise your hand if you've ever told a lie before, even a white lie, even a kind lie. Oh my God. It's worse than I thought. I thought a couple of you, but man, it was all of you. How, how many of you have, have maybe taken something that wasn't yours? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you have taken a pin from Experience Church? You dirty dogs. Give it back. How many of us have ever had maybe like a negative or unholy thought when you're driving behind that person? going 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. And you're like, get him, God, get him. <laughs> Good news, we're all in the same boat. Bad news is the boat's going down. It's sinking really quickly. And as we read scripture today, we see that the payment, the wages for sin is death. And so by your own admission today, not mine, your own admission, we all deserve death. Who's excited they came to church today? Anybody? Thank you, pastor. All of us deserve judgment, but on this day, when Jesus is on the cross, Jesus is stepping in to take our place so that God's judgment isn't falling on us. God's judgment is falling on Jesus. Best day ever. Then the story goes on to tell us that as darkness covered the earth, it lasted till 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And we see in Mark chapter 15, verse 34, that at three in the afternoon, Jesus cries out in this loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. You know how many times I practice that in my office? Come on. <laughs> Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I just want to take a moment to point out that it's important for us to know and understand that this is not a statement of weakness. It's a statement of strength. Jesus is not questioning God the Father. He's not expressing disagreement with heaven. He's not doing any of those things. He's actually quoting Psalms 22, verse 1, which everyone in the crowd that day, outside of maybe the Roman soldiers, would have known exactly what Jesus was saying. They would have immediately made the connection that he wasn't just making this blatant statement. He was quoting scripture. 
He would, and, and some of them might have even made the connection between all of the fulfilled prophecies that were in that chapter of the Bible. And we don't have time to read it all today, but I just wanted to read a few of those verses to show it to us. Psalms 22, verses 1 through 5. Psalm of David, writing here. Verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, David said, so far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but, but you don't answer. By night, but I, I find no rest. You ever found yourself in that place? You're like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. God, this doesn't make sense. Where are you? I'm, I'm praying. I'm asking. I'm believing. I'm, do, I'm trying to do the right thing, yet you seem so far away. You ever been in that place? Come on, talk to me, church. You ever been in that place? Now, I want you to know, it's okay for you to be in that place, but it's not okay for us to stay in that place. And David gives us a beautiful picture that even though I feel this way, I'm not going to stay in this place. I'm not going to stay this way. Verse 3 comes on and he says, yet. Everybody say, yet. Yet I feel this way. Yet my situation says this, but yet I'm going to speak your promises and your truth over my life. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. I exalt thee. You're worthy of it all. It doesn't matter how I feel or what I'm going through or what I'm up against. I'm just going to choose to exalt the name that's above every single name. Yet you are the Holy One. You are God and I'm not. And I trust in you. Verse four says, in you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. David gives us a beautiful picture that even when we're struggling to have faith, maybe I can look at somebody else's life and see what you're doing in their life. And I can, my faith can start to arise in me. In fact, even as I looked around the room this morning, I looked around and I saw prodigal sons and daughters who are back in the house of God. I saw marriages that God has restored. And even if I'm going through something, I can just look around the room today and I can see God doing some beautiful things in the hearts and lives of his people. And all of a sudden I can get encouraged. I can start. My faith can start to rise again. This is what David is telling us. Verse five goes on to you. They cried out and were saved and you. They trusted were not put to shame. And Jesus gives us this beautiful picture as he quotes the first verse of this, this Psalm that even while he was experiencing the agony of the cross, Jesus was teaching the crowds and proving yet again that he was the Messiah who fulfilled the scriptures. Jesus is on the cross. He's suffering. He's in pain. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, this, this statement of strength, he's proclaiming to the world that Jesus was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. This is a powerful moment. Jesus is declaring to the world, I'm forsaken so that you can be forgiven. Best day ever. All of us could be forgiven and free. The best day ever is, is the moment our sins aren't just forgiven, they're forgotten. So I love about the way God loves us, that he doesn't just forgive us, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I mean, no, I don't have to keep beating myself up for what I did five years ago or 10 years ago or even yesterday. If I've asked God to forgive me, he's forgiven it and he's forgotten that. I don't have to live in that shame. I don't have to live in that darkness. I, he, how many of you, he's the lifter of our heads. Best day 
forever. And the story goes on to tell us in Mark chapter 15, verses 37 through 38, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. And at the moment he breathed his last breath, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And just so we're on the same page, the, the curtain or the veil that we sing about today in the temple, it, it wasn't some like some thin cloth or, or sheet-like material that you would put on your bed. Now the veil was, think of more like a wall. It was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and scholars believe that it would have been four inches thick. This isn't just some thin piece of fabric that was torn from top to bottom at the same moment that Jesus breathed his last breath. What a coincidence, huh? I'm joking. I mean, no man could have done this. This was God displaying to the world. In this moment, God was saying, because of what Jesus is doing and did on the cross, there is no longer a barrier between us and God. Now we can have access to God's presence. All of us are welcome. All of us can come. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, you no longer need a priest to go to God on your behalf. Now Jesus has become the great high priest and we have access to God's presence. How many of this is great news? Because this allows it to go from more than just a story to an encounter. Now, I don't know what changed your life or what you've experienced with Jesus, but the moment I encountered his presence, the moment I encountered his peace, the moment I felt his joy, the moment I felt his love, it changed everything for me. It went from more than just a story, it became real. Anybody else experienced God's presence in their lives? Changes everything. Best day ever. And then the story goes on. Mark chapter 15, verse 39. And then this might be one of my favorite parts of the story. It says, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely, I don't even know who surely is. Surely this man was the son of God. Surely get over here. This man up there was the son of God. I love this part of the story because this is what Christianity is all about. It's not about going to a religious service. It's not about singing some religious songs. It's coming to the point that I realize this man is the son of God. It's more than a story. He's real and I can encounter his presence and his love and his peace. This is such a cool part of the story because this is the, the very first time in the entire book of Mark from his vantage point that somebody has confessed out loud that Jesus isn't just the Messiah, but in fact that he is God. And who confessed it? Who, who is so bold enough to, to speak this and to say it? It wasn't one of his disciples. It wasn't a religious leader. It wasn't even a Jewish person who knew Jewish history. It was a centurion, this pagan Roman soldier who wouldn't have known all of these other things just by the way he's looking at how Jesus died. Something was different about this man. Something was different about this situation. Surely this man is the son of God. 
Like Romans back in the day, they believed in a lot of little G gods. And the only person they thought was even divine was Caesar himself. And so here we have this Gentile, this outsider who has just witnessed what's been going on these past few hours. And when he sees Jesus die, the first thing that he says is, man, this isn't an ordinary man. Surely he's the son of God. And I just was thinking about what did he see? What did he see that day that, that gave him this revelation and this understanding that this man's the son of God? And so I just came up with three things because I'm a pastor. That's what I'm supposed to do. Three things that maybe he saw that, that changed his perspective, that this is it's more than a story. Because I, I, what I love about this centurion is I think he's heard some things about Jesus. He's heard some, some, some stories about Jesus. People have told him what, what it's like. He, he's maybe seen some, some different things, but now he's seeing Jesus face to face. And I just thought about us in the church. Anybody heard some stories about Jesus? Anybody maybe saw some other Christians act a certain way that maybe wasn't appealing to you and maybe turned you off? And here's this centurion with all that other information, but now he's face to face with the real thing. And he's like, something's different about him. The first thing maybe that he might have noticed was the fact that Jesus was sinless. How many of us know Jesus was sinless and spotless, which is why he was a worthy sacrifice on our behalf, meaning that I could lay my life down for you today, but it, it wouldn't do you any spiritually spiritual good. Like it might help you physically. Like I can just jump in front of a bullet or push you out of the way of, of a car and I might be able to buy you some more time on this earth, but I don't have the power to get you into heaven. I don't have the power to get you into a relationship with God because I've messed up, because I raised my hand earlier. I've taken some pins from Experience Church as well. I've made some mistakes too. I've messed up just like all of you. There's only one who is sinless, and his name is Jesus. I can't help but think, maybe the centurion Roman soldier noticed that about him. Something else he might have noticed that I can't help but think was maybe, maybe he noticed that Jesus was selfless. In another gospel, another vantage point, we're told that as people mocked Jesus as he hung on the cross, Jesus prayed. He prayed for him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you just imagine this moment? Like he's being tortured. Nails have been driven into his hands and his feet. The crown of thorns has been pressed into his, his head. He's been whipped with a cat of nine tails. He's gone through all this suffering. And then now he's hung on a cross naked in front of all of his peers. And they're mocking him and they're making fun of him and they're laughing at him. And his response to all of that is to pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I just wonder if this centurion stepped back and said to himself, man, I've seen a lot of executions. I've seen a lot of people die, but I've never seen anyone die like this. Can, can I just encourage us today that even when we're faithless, Jesus remains faithful but like even when we're denying Jesus, he's still forgiving us. Anyone else grateful for the fact that we serve a selfless God? I just wonder, man, if this centurion, this Roman soldier is seeing how, 
Jesus was sinless and how he was selfless. And I wonder if he also maybe noticed how Jesus was sacrificial. Like Jesus is unlike any other God in any other religion. I wonder if the centurions look around all the, all the little G gods that he's serving like this, this is not like my God. Because in every other religion, you have to sacrifice everything in order to get to God. But Christianity is the only religion where God sacrifices everything in order to get to us. This is why we're gathered today. This is why we're celebrating the empty tomb. When love came down, God came to us. He's not waiting for us to get to him. He came to us. And out of all the things the centurion saw that day, one gospel tells us, from another vantage point that when Jesus got ready to breathe his last breath, he said, it is finished. And I just wonder, I just wonder in that moment, did, did, did the centurion Roman soldier look back and realize at that moment, man, Jesus, Jesus just died on purpose and for a purpose. This wasn't in any ordinary execution that I've been a part of. This, this had purpose and meaning in it. And Jesus was proclaiming in that moment that the barriers between us and God, they've been removed. The veil has been torn into no longer do we have to go through all these steps in order to get to God. Now we can come through Jesus. Access, access has been granted best day ever. Better than the multi-grain pancakes. I'm just saying. Jesus was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. This is what we're remembering today. How I many know freedom isn't free? A price had to be paid. He was canceled so that we could be called. He was deserted so that death could be defeated. That what looked like the worst day was leading to the best day ever. That Jesus died on Friday and it looked like it was all over. But how many of us know Sunday was coming? I'm going to read what happened on Sunday in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. It says, when the, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices, which gives us proof that even 2,000 years ago, even women back then traveled in groups. They don't just go to the bathroom together. They go to the tomb together as well. And they bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. How many of us know the stone had been rolled away, not so that Jesus could get out, so that you and I could get in? And verse five says, as they entered the tomb, they saw this young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were freaked out. And the man said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here to prove that Jesus was who he said that he was, and he can do what he said he can do, that he has power over death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus died on the cross, and he, he rose from the grave, and he went through all of this so that we can experience, everybody say experience, experience the life that we never thought possible. That's why we call it Experience Church. 
as we were just praying through the different names, my, my wife texted over, what about experience? I'm like, that's, I don't like it at all, but let me pray about it. <laughs> She's like, we can have no E, just do the X. I'm like, why? I don't know. But I looked up one of the definitions of the word experience. And one of the definitions means to actively participate. And I thought, yes, that's the kind of church God's calling us to be. That's the kind of followers of Jesus God is calling us to be. Those who would actively participate in the life that he has for us. I mean, it's more than a story. And I was just thinking that Jesus went through all of this, the, the, the cross and the resurrection and the Easter story, that it's important for us to know that salvation is available, but it's not automatic. Salvation in life is available. Jesus went through all of this, but it's not automatic. And I was, I was reminded of how several years ago, somebody gave me a $100 gift card to Texas Roadhouse. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. I think gift cards are from God. I'm just saying. And I was in my early 20s. I was single uh, and I didn't have any money back then. And so a gift card was gold to me. And I remember thinking, man, I cannot wait to go to Texas Roadhouse. Give me a steak. And so I threw the gift card in my glove box and I made the mistake of forgetting all about it. And I think like a year, year and a half went by and I was digging through my glove box one day and there was the gift card and I was thinking, best day ever. So I remember calling my buddy up and like, we going to get some steak tonight. Unfortunately, Texas Roadhouse for us back then was an hour away, a little bit like Defiance, Ohio, like an hour away, but I, mean, I don't care. I'm going for the hot rolls. They got cinnamon butter there. I don't care. Let's go. I got a hundred dollar gift card. And so we mounted up, drove to Texas Roadhouse and we ate like kings that night. And the waitress comes over and, and she has the bill. I didn't even look at the bill. I didn't care. I got a gift card. Here you go. And so she takes the gift card. <laughs> I'm rolling deep and uh, I give her the gift card and she goes and I'm just eating some more rolls and cinnamon butter because I can. And I'm at Texas Roadhouse for free. And she comes back a few minutes later and you kind of know where the story is going. She said, sir, I have tried this so many times. I cannot get this gift card to work. And I just told her, well, go back and try it till you get it to work. That's all I got for you. I don't know. And upon further investigation, we turned the card over and on the back in fine, fine print, you needed a microscope to be able to read it, but there was an expiration date on the back and I had waited too long to use the gift card. I had it available to me the entire time, but I tried to cash it too late. And unfortunately, too many people are going to stand before a holy and righteous God and salvation was available to them the entire time, but they waited too long to receive it. And I don't know about you. I don't want to wait any longer to experience the abundant life that Jesus died and rose from the dead to give to us. But he has so much more for us. And I'm just thinking to myself today that maybe for some of us, today can be the best day of our life if we'll receive this free gift Jesus came to give to us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love. 
We thank you for this Easter story, how Jesus died on the cross. And he paid a price we couldn't pay, a debt he didn't know to bring a life, to bring freedom, to bring hope to our hearts. The veil was torn. Access has been granted. God, we celebrate the empty tomb today. That he has risen. And because he lives, we can live. And as we're praying together with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, you, if you're here today and you would say, man, I'm ready to go all in with Jesus. Maybe even as we opened the message up today and I just talked about how I learned how to smile to everyone around me, but I was empty on the inside of me. Maybe you can relate to that. Or maybe you've felt all alone in the midst of a crowd. Or maybe you just know that there's more to this life than what you're living and is found in relationship with Jesus. This could be the best day ever when it becomes more than just a story. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would say, I want a relationship with Jesus, I want it to be the best day ever. I want to have a relationship with him. Since the veil has been torn, since access has been granted, I want to have a relationship with God. This is why Jesus came. Would you lift your hand to heaven? Say, here I am. I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on, I see your hands. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Today, in this place, at this moment, I give you my heart, what you've always wanted. Here's my life. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live my life is yours in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand in this place. Come on, let's take a moment. Let's worship the name that's above every single name because how many know the tomb is empty? Come on, let's worship the King. Heavy storm. 
on, come on, the tomb's empty. He's alive. We worship you, God.